Well, good morning, everyone. There we go. How many of you had power outages this weekend or this week? Any, uh, Joe? Okay, a few. Joe and I were out of power for about 24 hours. We've decided that air conditioning is a blessing from God. <laughs> but uh, it, it came back on, and so all is good. Um, we've been in this series called At the Movies, and it's something that I look forward to every year. I love this, that we do this every summer. And the first week that we were together in the series, we looked at Hidden Figures, one of my favorite movies. And then last week, Bishop Farr looked at a movie that was, he said was quite Methodist, The Crudes, you know, the animation where they're all in the cave and afraid to do anything new and different. And so um, if you have not seen these two and would like to, they're online and you could watch those sermons online. But as we begin, will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, thank you for gathering us in your name this morning. Help us to be met by you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. May the meditations of my heart and words of my mouth, O oh God, be acceptable in your sight. And I pray this in the blessed name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, and all of God's children said, Amen. Well, Pastor Deb asked you, who has seen Ted Lasso? Anybody? You know, this is um, on Apple TV, so you may not be able to have seen it. Um, Jacob tells me, uh, by the way, Jacob, first Sunday leading worship here in the modern service. How about that? Great job, Jacob. Jacob tells me that he's not seen it because he doesn't have Apple TV. And I ask him, are, well, are other streaming devices showing that? And he said, not yet. And so maybe they will in the future. My brother was in town over the summer, and he said, have you seen Ted Lasso? And Joe and I didn't even know what he was talking about. And he said, you got to watch Ted Lasso. And he, he was honest, telling us every aspect of the series that he loved. And finally, he said, let's just watch a show. And so he, we all sat down and watched the first episode of season one, and Joe and I were hooked, just like that. It's a great series. But if you've not seen it, I encourage you to give it a try. And the, I have to make a disclaimer here. There are a few words that we would consider foul in the series and some other questionable scenes. So I would make this an adult-only kind of watch if, you're, if you decide to watch it. I gave the series an A. I would have given the series an A plus if it hadn't, didn't have so many bad words in it, but it's a wonderful series. Ted is the epitome of the good-hearted, fun-loving, corny, humor, dad jokes guy. And uh, he played, he's played by Jason Sudeikis, who grew up in Overland, Kansas. And so there's a lot of Kansas City references in the show, like Kansas City being the best barbecue, that kind of thing. And I want to set this up. Ted Lasso is an American football coach who led the Wichita State Shockers to a Division II National Collegiate Athletic Association Championship. He is then hired to coach AFC Richmond, an association football team in England, what we would call soccer. And he knows nothing about soccer. Absolutely nothing. So I think watching the trailer might help you get a vibe for the show. The owner of the team, Rebecca, who's played by Hannah Waddingham, has gotten Ted to be the head coach because he knows nothing about soccer and she is wanting them to lose. 
I think there was a, a movie that kind of was like this. Um, she's, she's acquired the team from her divorce, and this was her husband's favorite thing. And so little does she know that Ted is the best person she could have ever hired to coach this team. The best way to describe Ted, a folksy American, he is seen as unsophisticated, but he is smarter than he looks and acts. He loves to coach and cares about, more about people than wins. And above his office door, there is a sign that's just a little bit crooked, taped up there with masking tape that says, believe. Believe. When one player made a huge mistake, I loved this clip. There was a player that made a huge mistake, and he asked him, what animal has the shortest memory? That's right, somebody's seen it. He said, I have no idea, coach. And he said, a goldfish has 10-second memory. He said, go be a goldfish. As I was watching the series, I thought there are so many things in this series that will preach. And a few of my colleagues agree with me, including Reverend Adam Hamilton. And they're planning like whole sermon series on Ted Lasso. There was one particular scene, though, that I thought capsulated the essence of this show. Before I show you the clip, let me set this up for you. Um, Ted and Rebecca are in a bar. And... Rebecca's ex-husband shows up with his new fiance. Rebecca's trying to get through the, the moment, and Ted tries to protect Rebecca from the pain of seeing her ex-husband there with his fiance. And see, the ex-husband's trying to meddle in the team. And he says that he's going to show up in the owner's box, and he, Ted can see Rebecca's stress and anxiety rising. So he... Bets Rebecca's ex-husband um, to stay away from the owner's box by playing a dart game. If he wins, if Ted wins, ex-husband has to stay away from the owner's box. So watch this clip. I love that clip. Maybe partly because he wins for Rebecca, but I think a lot, I, one of the reasons I love this clip is because he quotes Walt Whitman. Be curious not judgmental. The lesson is so much easier to make snap judgments of people we've just met than to ask questions, to get to know that person. So much better, we're so much better off if we ask those questions instead of assuming the worst, right? Wouldn't that solve a lot of our issues today? Wouldn't it be refreshing to sit with someone and discuss the issues of the day by asking questions and getting to know them with curiosity instead of trying to argue our side of things. Jesus had something to say about this. I want to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, beginning with verse 27. But I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people 
in the same way you want them to treat you. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment. Talking about, Jesus is talking about the Roman soldiers here who would just come up and take people's coats or their cloaks or their belongings, would actually make them carry their armor and their weaponry for a certain amount of miles, would sometimes physically abuse them. And he's saying, love them. Pray for them. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. In other words, be loving toward these people who are mistreating you. He continues, if you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those who, from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Verse 35, instead love your enemies, do good and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act, for he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Jesus teaches us that our attitude and behavior flows forth from the image of God. A loving and merciful father, he says, whose own practices are not stingy or calculated, but lavish and full of grace. It'll fall over into our lap, this overflowing grace. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to this new way of living, to act in this same way, not of this world, but of the kingdom of God. Now, I stand here and say this, and I know it's easy to say, and I can preach this all day long, and I can say it, but we all know that it's harder to live, amen? It's much harder to live. Jesus says, stop judging Stop condemning, indicating that in the audience there were those who handled life's inequities and injustices by judging and condemning those whom God seems to be letting off the hook. And I would say we still have that same audience, amen? How many of you have ever gone down the street? Well, they didn't deserve that, right? Theologian and author Fred Craddock notes this in his commentary. He says, apparently, God's gracious and forgiving treatment of others leaves the work of judging unattended, so we must take care of it. <laughs> you can almost hear the sarcasm dripping from the page as you read it. He says, or so it seems to many who are not comfortable in a kingdom where parties are given for prodigals 
and where tax collectors, collectors and sinners are welcome at table. Justice and mercy are and always have been intention. How do you get from judgment, the judgment side of our nature, to that mercy side of our nature? When I was a little girl, I had two authors. I'm showing my age here. Two authors that I really, really loved. One was Laura Ingalls Wilder, the whole series of the Little House on the Prairie books. And the other was Nancy Drew. I loved reading these two authors. Both of these authors taught me that things were not always what they seem. Nancy Drew especially taught me that questions were good and surprise was right around the corner. But the best thing about Nancy Drew was her curiosity. Curiosity is a virtue. Yet, curiosity often gets a bad rap, doesn't it? We were taught as little kids, curiosity killed the... I didn't want my cat to die. Curiosity killed the cat. And in the church, we are sometimes suspicious of those who ask questions or are curious about the way faith and belief work. Yet the ancient rabbis loved questions. They told wonderful stories that left you hanging at the end. No answers, just questions that made you think differently. Here's one from the Talmud, a collection of Jewish teachings. A group of rabbis decided to give a gift to the emperor and discussed whom they should send. They, de they decided to ask Nahum, the man of Gamzo, because he was used to having miracles happen to him. So they gave Nahum a bag of gifts for the emperor, and on the journey, Nahum spent a night at an inn. And in the middle of the night, some men from the inn stole the contents of Nahum's bag and filled it with dust. When Nahum appeared before the emperor with a bag of dust, the emperor lost his temper. He said the Jews were trying to make fools of him. He ordered Nahum put in jail, and that night Elijah appeared in the emperor's dream and said, Perhaps this dust is part of the dust of their patriarch, Abraham. Whenever he threw some of it at his enemies, it turned into swords. The emperor woke and decided to try some of the dust against his enemies. It worked. The emperor's army won the battle, and Nahum was immediately taken to the treasury, and his bag was filled with precious jewels. Then Nahum returned home, and on the way he stayed in the same inn where he told his story, and the same men who had stolen from Nahum decided to take some dust to the emperor. But when their dust was tested, it did not turn into swords, and all of those men were put to death. Now, what conclusions can we draw from this? The rabbis weren't interested in answers. They use stories to make their students think, to raise questions, to struggle with the issues, and to open their eyes to see in new ways. Jesus was a master at this, an absolute master at this. His parables would always make us look at something new or open our heart to something in a different way. 
Still today, as we read these parables, something new will pop out at us each and every time. And many people were quick to judge Jesus, weren't they? Jesus teaches us that being curious is good. There were many who wanted to jump to conclusions and judge Jesus, and many that said, this man is not the Messiah. Who does he think he is? But there were also many who were curious, like Nicodemus. If you remember his story, it comes from the Gospel of John, and he's driven by his curiosity. And he goes to Jesus in the deep of night, and it begins with verse 3. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, and he came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these things, these miraculous signs that you do, unless God is with him. And Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I, that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? And Jesus and Nicodemus have this conversation They continue to discuss this until Jesus tells him the foundation of all life, belief, and faith. A verse that is quoted at every soccer game, probably, there ever was, held up with a sign, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have what? Eternal life. And then verse 17, we don't quote that one as much. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. If Jesus had had some poster board and some markers, he would have sent Nicodemus home with a sign to hang crooked over his door that said, Believe. Believe. How did Nicodemus make the jump from judgment to mercy, to belief? Curiosity. He asked some questions. And Jesus sees the longing in Nicodemus' heart, so he responds with compassion, welcoming Nicodemus and his questions. There are some questions that are just not answerable. So how do you answer them? With love and mercy and grace saying, you know, I just don't know. But I'm willing, I'm willing to wrestle with you. I'm willing to struggle with you. Jesus is inviting Nicodemus and us to be curious about life. To be curious about faith. To be curious about what we believe, 
and not jump to assumptions and expectations. Nicodemus did not choose to be born, but he could choose a redeemed revision of his life being born again, seeing that God loves him with a sacrificial love that overflows from this life into a life eternal. Curiosity was the opening of that door. What would happen? What would happen if we'd let ourselves believe? If we chose the path of curiosity? Belief and faith combined can overcome any situation before us. What would happen if we approached hardships and conflicts, especially with our neighbor, with curiosity and love? Would we be so quick to make judgments if we asked the questions and we got to know our neighbor? You see, because when we get to know our neighbor, we can understand and love them as ourselves. We can see a little bit in their story that we say, you know, I've stood in their shoes before. Or I don't know what they're going through, but I can only imagine if I was going through that same thing. Belief. Faith. Love, mercy. That's the only way we can live out the golden rule of treating another as we would ourselves. And this church is what I believe. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite our band to come on back up. And as they come back up, will you stand and let's join our voices and together. And as they're coming back up, let me say this prayer. Will you join me? Gracious and holy God, help us, help us in our belief to grow in our faith. Help us to be curious, God, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to try to seek to understand. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.